the morning about break of day. That's when my baby went away. Trying and clean don't do me no good. Come back, baby, wish you would. Welcome to the Personal Stories of St. James's podcast. This is an opportunity for us to get to know more about our fellow, fellow parishioners. It's a great opportunity if you would like to be interviewed yourself or if you would like to do an interview with somebody else, we would love for you to do that. Just contact the Reverend Matthew Stewart at matt at stjamescambridge.org. That's matt at stjamescambridge.org. And today I am delighted to talk to Mike Burris, a great member of our choir um, on this very kind of nasty groundhog day. But getting to talk to you, Mike, is the highlight of my day for sure. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. As I mentioned, I actually um, picked you as someone I'd like to interview because I do not know too much about you. So let's start kind of at the beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what was it like growing up there? Well, I could say I grew up in two places. Uh, the first was Cambridge, Massachusetts with my uh, grandmother and aunt. That was over on Pine Street near, uh, not too far from Central Square. And I would spend the day there and I'd go home at night with my folks when they came from work um, and uh, we'd go to Roxbury. And, but I really sort of from K through five, you know, spent the days going to school in Cambridge and from my grandmother's place. And because my mother liked the schools there in Cambridge better than Boston. And uh, it was it was good, it was fun, um, you know, in a city, you know, I was a little kid, so you didn't stray too far. And uh, I was right across the street from the market full of house. So that was always a, a nice thing to play sports. But after I got, uh, let's see, from K through five, through the sixth grade, I grew up in Holbrook, and that's just uh, south of Braintree, just a little north of Brockton, tucked in there. And um, Holbrook Public Schools, I was there for, uh, I guess, uh, 10 years. I, I went to sixth grade and junior high, and then off to uh, Canton, where I uh, went to high school at uh, Blue Hills Regional Vocational Technical School. And there, Vocational Technical High School, I learned uh, the field of mechanical drafting. And I was um, uh, a drafter for, my goodness, eight and a half years. I worked for Polaroid and uh, as a drafter. And um, after that, I was in customer service for 12 years. But that's a growing up, long story. <laughs> wow, so you're a local boy. I did not know that. Uh -huh. That is so interesting. So tell me a little bit about the Margaret Fuller House. I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't know too much about it. Could you tell me a little bit more? Well, Margaret Fuller, um, as you know, she, she was one of the uh, trans, transcendentalists, I believe, of the period, you know, uh, like the Fenway and, and people that believed in art and 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 helping people. And the, the house was really for a, a neighborhood, you know, for kids, they could get a, a meal there. Uh, they could play after school, and it, it sort of attracted, um, you know, the younger people through high school. And they had a basketball court, and it was just fun place, fun place to be. That's so good. 
I love hearing about that. Mm -hmm. So you talked a little bit about spending time with different people. Did you have a religious upbringing? Were you, did you grow up in a particular religious tradition or a denomination? Um, I would say my folks were Baptist. Mm -hmm. And for a short period of time, uh, I'd either on some occasions go to church with my grandmother. She was Pentecostal. Mm -hmm. I believe they're called Assemblies of God now. But in, in the day, it was a Pentecostal church. It was just... Uh, around the corner from where we lived or where she lived. And uh, on a rare occasion, my uh, father and mother would take me to a Baptist church. You may have heard of People's Baptist Church in uh, Roxbury. Oh yeah. Yeah, some of the 60s, uh, you know, I went there and when we moved out to Holbrook, it was a little bit much, to, you know, commute uh, every Sunday, but, you know, I, I had a strong orientation to it. Hmm. Hmm. So I have noticed, I have to say, being in, in some prayer groups in Compline and stuff with you, that you have a beautiful way of praying. Mm -hmm. You seem to have a very uh, ease in praying, mm -hmm. um, which not all people do. Can you tell me a little bit about the importance of prayer in your life? Well, it's my number one connection with God. Uh -huh. you know? Uh, that, of course, in reading, reading the scriptures, but I would say the number one connection is like we're always open all the time, and he knows me. You know, the scriptures reinforce my belief that God knows me before I was born. You know, you see those pictures of babies in their mother's womb, you know. You know he was there, you know, formulating, seeing this day, seeing my graduation from high school day, you know, seeing uh, good things and bad things, and it, it's just a an invisible friend mm -hmm. and um, prayer is, you know, the connection. Even when I'm not praying, I, I might be praying or thinking about God and, and thinking about an incident or, or something I could have done better. And um, it's, you know, he knows me best. Mm -hmm. Amen. That is beautiful. So given your background and your upbringing, obviously you had the Cambridge connection, but how did you happen to come to St. James as an Episcopal church? Well, great question. I was um, at a Methodist church in Boston, uh, Union United Methodist Church. It's in, it's in the South End. Um, I've forgotten the street, one of the big streets down there that just behind the Prudential Center there. And uh, I was there for a number of years and, you know, really being in tune with the spirit. They're, good, they're very nice people, mostly African-American church. And I was in the spirit and it was just moving me to say, you know, time to move on. Hmm. You know, sometimes if a, if a church, any church, it feels more like a job and it's not really working. I, I've learned that that's, you know, you know, time to seek elsewhere. You know, you pray for the people, you know, there are a lot of good people there and uh, different ministries that they have based on where they are, but it was time to move on. And I came to St. James, oh, 11 years ago, I believe it was in the summer. Uh, Reverend Holly was uh, preaching and um, I, I came and, and was wondering, I passed this church all the time. And, uh, you know. Did you think it was closed? People used to uh, say that all the time. They said, I passed that church all the time. I thought it was closed. Did I got you think that it was? Yeah, because it looked a little bit dark in the vestibule. Yeah, it's a perennial problem. Oh, wow. But, but, you, but yeah. somehow you came anyway. I came and um, uh, 
I liked it and I came back. I liked the music, uh, you know, Pat's playing and the, the style that he um, uh, uses, you know. You know, hymns are fine, but also the style was really attracting me. So between him and Holly Sermons, and, you know, it really reached into me. And uh, sometimes I'd come early to the eight o'clock. Other times, you know, now that I've been singing choir a good 10 years, uh, you know, to the main service. And uh, I've been hooked ever since. Wow. So seriously, you just saw the church, an Episcopal church, and you decided to start coming. Check right. it out. Right. Interesting. What, um, given the background that you had, what did you think about the more liturgical, I assume the more liturgical church uh, that's the Episcopal church? Um, it's fine. You know, it took a while to get used to. If you remember, we had, before we had the St. James Sings, we had these old dog-eared copies. Oh, yeah. And um, we also had the hymn books and we had something else. So every time they they'd make a change. I'm going through all these booklets and I don't know what was going on. <laughs> oh, but uh, once I got used to it, particularly the prayer part, I, I really, you know, uh, prayers to the people, it, it really, you know, settled me, you know, and it put me, you know, where I needed to be. You know, some Sundays it's, it's, it's deeper than others. Um, and I think that's, that's everybody's uh, experience with God. And uh, it was really good. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't ask you this question or give you this question in advance, and it could be a little bit of a deep one, but what about, what is your feeling about um, the Eucharist, about communion? Does that have um, a special meaning for you? Or is that something that is particularly meaningful to you? Or kind of, how do you feel about that? Well, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it caps off the service, you know, because this is, you know, the, the liturgy is, is, is taking from point A to point B and each, for every person there, you know, they come to church at a different point and they need it. And, um, you know, you can come in sort of upset and then by the time you get to the end, you know, you're feeling very good. So um, I, I think that's great. The Eucharist is, you know, um, as you would in the Protestant church, you know, it's, it's once a month and you'd have the, the wafer and the, and the fruit juice or the wine and it, it's fine but um I, I liked it every week I like it every week and you know it's a it's a nice order it's a nice logical order and it, it works mm -hmm. great well I obviously many of us love having you in the choir mm -hmm. and not only in the choir but now that we're in pandemic pandemic time getting to hear you occasionally sing by yourself mm -hmm. um was thank you so much for that that you, it's excellent. And as I say, you have a fantastic smile. So I always love watching you when you're actually singing too. So what is it that you appreciate about being in the choir, about singing in a group or singing um, hymns, religious music, singing at our particular choir? What is it that you like about it? What keeps you there? Well, I think uh, singing has always been a great um, calling for me since sixth grade. Once I got to um, uh, Holbrook in uh, South Elementary School, my mother, uh, I said to my mother that um, they're having tryouts for Glee Club. And uh, she said, well, why don't you try it? And I, I really have been hooked on it since. You know, I could sing something that was uh, not always the, the melody, but in, in the bass. And you learn over the years that the bass and the, the alto, the tenors, the 
our tones and all that, they make the song, you know, all of them together, the right modulation, they make the song and it's, it, it, it strikes another part of you other than just, you know, what you hear on the radio or whatnot. And that's, that's really the Christian experience. You know, uh, we all can't be sopranos or altos and all that, you know, we all have our parts to play. And um, I've used that really since uh, sixth grade and then through um, junior high I was singing uh, high school. I, I sang in the uh, community choir at Holbrook because I, I went to a different uh, school system and um, in churches, wherever I went, I, I've been to a number of churches since uh, I became a Christian in 1978. So everywhere I've gone, I've been able to lend my voice and it's been uh, a real privilege. I bet everybody's very happy to have you in their choir. Yeah. Do you have a favorite type of music? I don't know if it is religious music or any, any particular type of music that you prefer? Well, I guess like to listen to? If, if it were listening to mm -hmm. just regular um, sort of 70s rock. Pop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Can uh, you give pop. me an example? Uh, Beatles, it could be uh, Rolling Stones, it could be uh, Led Zeppelin, okay. Paul McCartney, uh, any, anything. And to tell you the truth, um, I like, I really like all music. You know, once I moved out on my own in 1980, you know, the stress of moving, I, I developed a love for uh, classical music. Oh. And my, my father loved classical. He played classical music, you know, just in the piano at home. But, you know, I really appreciated after, you know, a busy day and so many things are going on, you know, and uh, classical was really good. So I, I really appreciate just about everything that's out there. I'm not too big on hip hop, but I can probably tolerate on a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> For a while, mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, and I, I've also, you like to sing, and mm -hmm. I also recently heard that you like to write. Right. Um, so I was very interested to hear that. I know nothing, tell me more. What kind of things do you write? Do you write fiction, nonfiction, poetry? I, tell me something about what you write. I like fiction and um, I got my uh, bachelor's in English Lit from Northeastern, oh. finished uh, with my master's uh, in English Lit from UMass Boston. And I'm dawdling with the idea of a PhD um, from maybe some online school somewhere, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I like to write fiction. Uh, in my earlier day before I was so critical in the 80s, I used to just love writing you know, uh, detective stories or, or just plain everyday action fiction. Uh, nowadays, you know, over the years, I got a little critical of myself and I ended up hurting myself. I wasn't writing, but I turned to nonfiction and I, I did a lot of um, airline. I love the airline industry. So I wrote a lot about airline uh, profiles and pilot hiring magazines and um, airports, whatnot. So I, Right when I can. This is fascinating. It just goes to show you, I have no idea. Um, tell me more about what you like about the airline industry. I suppose it's hooked up to travel. Uh, it's it's quite busy. You know, from an operations standpoint, you know, if you're on the ground loading uh, um, 
interesting. There's a lot of traffic moving around. You could be out in all sorts of weather. Up till uh, March of last year, uh, I was working part-time for um, Swissport, one of the uh, aircraft handlers at Logan. And uh, you're loading a lot of heavy bags in the back room. Mm. Uh, but even through the 80s, I've had part-time jobs, you know, being out there in the ramp, you know, uh, directing the planes off and on the ramp. And it's exciting. Wait, wait. Are you one of the people, are you ever one of those people who hold those like flashlight things and direct the planes in? Right. Yes. You did that? I did that. However, it was in the daytime. Okay. Still. Uh, the wands, I think some people call them wands, you know, they're essentially a flashlight with a long orange cone on it. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're moving your hands either way, wherever you want uh, the plane to go. Um, matter of fact, I did do it at night once back in the 90s, um, just before the Gulf War. I was, I was working for a commuter airline called Pre Precision Airlines. They were out of Manchester, New Hampshire. And it, it's, it's a busy thing because uh, the commuter airlines then are the feeder airlines for the bigger, mm -hmm. feeder, bigger ones like, you know, United and Delta and whatnot. And... Uh, at that period of time, they were just going to start the Gulf War, you know, under the first uh, Bush. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone, you can feel the uh, action and the, the tension in the air and whether we were going to go to war or not. And I saw a, a Saudi plane come in and uh, it was being escorted by a number of police police cars and whatnot. So you see that things, those kinds of things at airports and they're, they're quite exciting. Mm -hmm. Hmm. When was the last time you were at an airport? Uh, up till, when did they lay us off? Uh, March of last year. Last year, okay. I'm going to get to the travel question in a minute, but I want to keep with the writing for a second. Mm -hmm. Are you are you working on anything now, writing-wise? Yeah, I just started a, a, a short story. Um, you know, it, it, for fiction writers, it's been said that, you know, write what you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oftentimes I know myself. So if I put myself in the story, it's, it has a, a better authenticity about it. So it, it's just something short because, you know, I, I think I suffer from writer's block or half writer's block. I can get a story halfway done and, you know, I've got to really force myself to do it. So it's maybe something short, maybe a couple thousand words and uh, let some friends online see it and see if they can give me some pointers and maybe... If I'm really good about it, you know, pitch it somewhere and see what happens. That's fantastic. Do you usually write at home? Or are you one of those people who goes out, not during pandemic, but yeah. goes out to cafes and we see writing in the coffee shops or outside or where do you like to write? Usually at home. Um, when I used to travel a lot to Montreal, I always take my journal with me, which is a, you know, college rule five sections, you know, you get it at CVS or whatnot. And I'm always writing, you know, my journal, my feelings, what's going on. And um, it's it's nice because, you know, all details you've learned or I've learned make a story rather than so much action, you know, the way someone is, is dressed, the way a file cabinet, if it's closed or not, you know, these are all things that are so important. And if you blend them in just right, you have an interesting story. Yeah. Do you have um, favorite authors yourself that you'd like to read? Yeah. Um, I recall some of Margaret Atwood's book. Um, it's actually, it's been a while since I read, read her stuff in the, um, 
90s, I, I met her in person at the Canadian Embassy in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. It was an open event uh, to the public, and mm -hmm. I liked her stuff. I, I'm hoping to major on um, Hispanic and uh, Native American literature. Um, really? And I'm trying to recall authors, you know, things that I, people I've read, it's, and I can't think of a name right now. Um, uh, but, you know, along those lines of contemporary, uh, contemporary uh, uh, literature, not, not so much poetry, but, you know, poetry gets into a, a slightly different phase, you know, Sistina's and A, B, B, A, rhyme and all that. And uh, they're quite excellent wordsmiths, but, um, yeah. but uh, fiction is, you know, you grow from fiction, you, you learn from people and you learn about experiences. And I, I like that. I learn, that's why I read, you know, because I can read and I learn. Yes. And speaking of learning from experiences, I'm going to jump to the travel question. I know mm -hmm. that you're someone who likes to travel. Um, tell me just generally first, what is it about travel that appeals to you in general? Uh, different cultures, understanding people, um, different ways of doing things. You know, the world isn't always Harvard Square. <laughs> Or, or Boston or New York. Um, my first real big trip, uh, aside from Montreal, but uh, was the Middle East, Israel, Egypt, and Jordan. Mm. And I went in 1983. Uh, the church I was uh, uh, attending at the time, uh, Tremont Temple Baptist Church downtown, mm -hmm. the pastor uh, on the side would run a couple of tours a year. And um, that was really wonderful. I mean, the, the Wailing Wall, the, the Dead Sea, everything that you read about the scriptures coming to life for you, as well as Egypt, um, you know, the pyramids, you know, trying to climb those big rocks there. It was just, just fantastic. And Jordan was nice. And uh, I'd love to go back again. And I, uh, and then I, I also traveled to Morocco, um, you know, Marrakech was one of the, the nicer things. You know, there's a Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young song. Yeah. Marrakech, you know. I do know that song. And uh, England and France, uh, Mexico City, uh, three times I like Mexico City. So uh, Canada, California, around here in the US. But, you know, you I like around. learning different things. Uh huh. So if we did not have a pandemic right now and you could travel anywhere right now, where mm -hmm. would you go? I was looking a lot at um, Australia. Mm -hmm. I like, uh, you know, Sydney and Melbourne, mm -hmm. perhaps to uh, New Zealand, Christchurch, New Zealand. If you're going to Australia, you might as well stop in New Zealand. Exactly. Yeah. Matter of fact, one of our one of my choir um, mates, uh, Susan Dowd, uh, she went. Her and her husband went uh, a couple of years ago or last year, and it, it was really something, you know. I might come back to a travel question too, because that's, um, I love hearing about people's experiences. But one of the questions that we ask everybody to tell me about someone who's been particularly important to you in your life and how. You might need a minute to think about it, but someone who's been particularly important in some way, doesn't have to be, you know, a really huge way, but you feel is important to you. And how was that? Who were they and how were they important to you? 
Well, I would say my mother. Mm -hmm. um, she now, she, sadly, she passed when I was 13. Oh. She had cancer. And uh, she was sick a number of years, uh, maybe three or four years prior to that. Uh, but, you know, she was a good listener. You know, she had a gift of understanding, uh, consoling. Um, you know, she was a happy person. You know, it's too bad I lost her. And, but, you know, that's, she was the most important to me. That's interesting. Someone who I mentioned that I was going to interview you, mentioned to you, I was going to interview, you said something about how they perceived you as such a solid, grounded person. And they were interested in what was that about your upbringing, possibly, you know, important people in your life that gave you that seeming sense of, I don't know, groundedness. Um, mm. Maybe that was your mom. Um, yeah, she was um, in her day a, a, a Girl Scout leader. I mean, was before I was born. Um, I, or Eastern Star, no, one, one of those offshoots of the Girl Scouts. Mm -hmm. You know, so the, she had that, like a little bit of leadership, but she was always very outgoing and, you know, very personal. And um, yeah, yeah, I would say that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I hope this isn't too personal. I know that um, you were close to your aunt who died in the last year, <laughs> correct? Right. Um, yeah. I imagine, I think that you spent quite a lot time, you know, helping her. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that your life is now different in some way, or you have different opportunities or perspectives? Well, um, it, it's, it's lonelier. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I lost my aunt in, uh, on July 25th. She was uh, ill and um, she was in the hospital for about three and a half weeks over at BI. Okay. And um, she had a digestive issue. So she just really just uh, faded away. She was 94. And um, obviously we all don't live forever, but still she was the last of uh, my nuclear family, if you will. Um, my sister would have been... Um, seven years older than myself, she, but she had um, sarcoidosis, which is like a respiratory thing and had heart failure. So just about everybody, I think, and I've got cousins around, but just about everybody is, is gone, at least in the nuclear family. So um, yeah, after a while it does, you sit there, you think, well, one of the reasons why I was hanging on because, you know, my aunt was 94, so I would shop for her. I would yeah. do everything, you know, and um, because I, she was my aunt and I, I loved it. And um, once that was gone, you know, you're feeling an emptiness. You're so used to looking out for her. You're so used to worrying about her. And, you know, you know, you don't have that anymore, but, you know, I wish I did. Yeah. You know? So I was um, thinking of moving out west coast had this um pandemic not been in, going on i might have been out in oregon by now hmm. just a few weeks ago you know i, I had, well actually before thanksgiving i applied for a job out there and uh, with state government but you know having had to go out there take an exam and you know the covid is still wild and crazy i, I said well uh, i'll rethink that for now 
Yeah. So we'll see. Well, it'd be sad for us, but maybe a good opportunity for you. Yeah. What is it that attracts you to Portland or Oregon? Uh, it's someplace else. I'm, it's probably not as cold as Boston. Um, That's true. Being born here and lived here all my life. Um, you know, it, it's different. Even in the U.S., it's, it's, you know, everyone behaves a little bit differently. Every different uh, side of the country has its own culture, its own quirks. And that's nice. I like learning, mm -hmm. I like learning and being in a, in a different atmosphere. Mm. Well, if you do make that move, there's somebody I need to virtually introduce you to. We had mm -hmm. a um, former parishioner named Mike DeBlasi who lives in Portland now. Really great guy, loves to sing, plays the piano, loves to travel, very mm -hmm. social. He would be a great person for you to, to meet and is you know, active in the church. Um, also comes from, I think, a kind of Pentecostal background originally. Oh, um, wow. So, yeah, he's a great person for you to know. If that, if that was to happen, we would you know, work on some kind of meetup. And, I'd like uh, to do that. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, personally, of course, we would be sad if you went. But you mm -hmm. have to come back and visit because this is your kind of your hometown. Right. Right. Exactly. I want to ask a little bit about your about your work, your paying work. Um, obviously, your work is greater than your job. Um, mm -hmm. But tell me a little bit about what you do in your job. Well, I'm what we call a benefits eligibility referral social worker, mm -hmm. which means I sign people up for Mass Health. Mm -hmm. I specialize on the under sixty five. Uh, we're all working from home now since May. So we, you know, we were all, they gave us all laptops and said, you know, uh, and these uh, nice little cell phones, these like a heavy bullet, you know, and they say, here's some instructions and take care, see you at the meeting, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, we've been doing that since, you know, May 4th, I believe. So um, it's, it's certainly lovely to have a job, thank God for that, um, and to be safe. But normally I'm, I'm out of the Chelsea office on, uh, Spruce and Second Street, just across from the Market Basket. It was always nice to go at Market Basket lunchtime and get you, get your lunch or do shopping and whatnot. I love so, that Market Basket. It is the best. The one in Chelsea, the big one. Yes, the big one. I love that. They have soft serve ice cream at the front. Uh huh. I really like that Market Basket. I'd go over there all the time on my break time. You know, you know, fifteen twenty minutes. Got a really huff and puff, but. Uh, uh, that and they have hot cooked meals and uh, mm -hmm. you know it's great after you have to work you know you want to pick up something you got market basket prices and a, a great variety of stuff so you know I miss that about that as, as well as a lot of the other um, um, restaurants up and down Chelsea has some good ones but yeah. you know things change so it's true I remember I, I'm sure you remember when there was the big market basket turmoil and the fight between the two relatives yes. Um, Try to get control of it and it was you know shut down for a while and then eventually the the workers actually won mm -hmm. um and, and i remember when that happened because we when the right when they we opened we went to the chelsea market basket to celebrate you know because mm -hmm. it seemed like the best place to go uh right. to celebrate with the workers and how that came out so that's a good place chelsea's got a lot i mean it's got some had some hard times but it's got a lot going for it too yeah it's very diverse and, um, you know, at least it used to have a lot of good restaurants and uh, a mix of businesses and the tea is there, you know, running all over the place. And, 
So it's, it's got a lot, you know, a lot of potential and in, uh, a lot of diversity in town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's something that appeals to you, I can tell. Yes. I was very interested when you said that about um, Hispanic and Native American literature might be something that you would want to concentrate on. Mm -hmm. um, is that just because it's a different culture or is there something particular about those cultures that appeals to you? Well, the Native American culture, because it's it's very spiritual mm -hmm. and there's a strong connection to the earth uh, with them, territory, I mean, and land, they think of it differently than, um, you know, Europeans do. And I think it's very spiritual. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I see it. I mean, I certainly don't worship that way, but, you know, I really appreciate that. And um, uh, the Hispanic culture, I, I like it. <laughs> I can't, I'm not sure I, am, I, I know why, but, you know, uh, there's a book called Bless Me Ultima. And um, I, I can't think of the author's name, but I, I, I've, always, I've always liked it. And one day, if I'm really disciplined, I'll learn, to, I'll learn Spanish uh, somehow. Mm -hmm. so. Well, you said you've been to Mexico City three times. Right. Um, and that you seem to really like it there. Is that partially because of the culture or just because it's a great city? Maybe a little bit of both. Uh -huh. uh, you know, when you fly in, if you've been to Mexico City, you know, it's, it's, it's very heavily congested. But... Um, I like walking along um, oh, the Embargado. Uh, it's got some lovely trees and, and wide sidewalks and um, it, it clicks for me. <laughs> yeah. You know? Wow. Well, I feel like I've learned so many things I had no idea about that you're a native Cambridge boy, about your religious upbringing, how you came to St. James's, your interested in writing and airlines. I think perhaps that's one of the most fascinating things to me, your airline interest and experience yep. and your education in English literature. I think Tom Tufts also has a very substantial education in English, English literature oh. as well. Um, that, you know, you should talk about that with him sometime. He's very good. I took an EFM course uh, with him, you know, uh, in uh, Watertown at the church there. And, um, uh, I think that's education for ministry. Right. And had we been in church now, he probably would have uh, uh, had the books out on the table in the back, you know, telling you about it. It's that quite intense. But, uh, yeah, he, he knows. So I, I, I believe that, sure. Yeah, I, you know, I feel like he was going for his PhD at like University of Illinois or something. And I hope I don't get this wrong. Um, and it was actually partially the fact that uh, they were pushing him really towards more traditional English literature, and he was interested in more Latin or in other kinds of traditions in terms of mm -hmm. literature that made him leave that and eventually join the pre predecessor of the Peace Corps. Um, so he has a fascinating life, but and there's, you know, he really had gone fairly far down the line in English literature. So mm -hmm. maybe one day we can be together in person and <laughs> have a chance yeah. to chat about those things. That would be fantastic. Well, Mike, thank you so much for this chance to talk. It's been, oh. I really very much enjoyed it. And I know people are going to be thrilled to learn more about you. Mm -hmm. Maybe you hear more about your travel sometime, Morocco, Marrakesh, mm -hmm. very exotic sounding. Uh, I'd love to. And I haven't, I've been to a lot of places, but I haven't been to Florida. 
So everybody uh, around here has been to Florida. I haven't been there yet. One day I will. Do you want to go? I'd love to go to Miami. I, again, you know, the Cuban culture, which is yeah. a Spanish mix there. I'd yeah. love to see it as well as the Space Coast. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm sure it's overloaded with people, but I'd still love to see it. And see what it's all well, I, I hope you will make it there sometime. I hope that the pandemic will end soon. Yes, and you'll be able to travel many places and spread your smile and your music, mm -hmm. find new things to write. Um, so thanks again for doing this and um, really appreciate your time and this chance to learn more about you. Once again, to the people out there, um, if you would be interested in being interviewed or interview somebody else, we would love that. Just email Reverend Matt at matt at stjamescambridge.org and uh, we'll uh, get you up here onto the podcast. So thanks again, Mike. Thank you very much. It was wonderful talking to you.